Well, good morning, everyone. Man, it's so good to be with all of you this morning as we gather together here and uh, prepare to spend some time uh, together here. Uh, I tell you, this is a particularly exciting weekend uh, because traditionally here at Mosaic Church, uh, as we enter the first full weekend of the new year, uh, we take some time and we just uh, explore a little bit of what the vision is, what the vision continues to be, and how specifically that vision plays out for the oncoming, uh, incoming year, as well as getting a chance to just kind of look back at where we've been and look at where we are. And so this is always, for me, personally an incredibly exciting weekend because it really speaks to the continued journey of who God has made us to be and invited us to walk into. And that is exciting. And I will tell you, it is amazing to me that this will be the 13th time since this church was born uh, that we are having a vision weekend, uh, that we are actually 13 uh, and a half years into the story is an unbelievable thing. And what a journey the last 13 years have been uh, for those of us that have been around all 13 and then for those of us that have joined the story in consecutive pieces along the way, making us who we are today. So 13 years ago, a little over 13 years ago, uh, when we first came to the West Orlando area and, and God invited us into uh, planting a church and launching what is now Mosaic, uh, I remember when we first started prayerfully considering what that would be, uh, we really wanted to make sure that as we stepped into birthing a new church on behalf of the incredible glory of God and the kingdom of God, that we would make sure that this church would be born out of the things that we felt would most display the wonders of Scripture. There's a lot of stuff in church here and in other churches. Uh, some of it is beautiful. Some of it is terrible, right? And so uh, as an early, brand new church, you're able, you have the luxury to say, let's try to weed through the terrible and, and avoid it and step into the beautiful. And so as we did that, what we concluded was that as we launch in as a church, what we wanted to do in its most simple form is this. We wanted to be a church that would demonstrate our passion for God and his passion for people. That still sits on the circle in the lobby out there. That still is in all of our talk because that is who we wanted to be, who we want to be, who we continue to strive to be. We wanted it very particularly to be very simple and just this. We are a church that demonstrates stuff, right? We don't, we don't talk about it. We don't sit around and pray about it and think about it and work on it for decades and then go, I wish we'd done it. We demonstrate it. We demonstrate, demonstrate, demonstrate. And that word was key to us because we wanted to be a church that shows the world what the redemptive reality of Jesus is all about in our active action and our words. And so out of that was born uh, this idea that we said, look, in simple form, here's what we want all of you and all of us to do together. We want to love God. We want to learn to love God because that's important. We get distracted by a trillion things. We're going to learn to love God. We are going to learn to love people. That's super hard, right? Loving God, that's easier than loving people because people are mean and, 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 and God, God is good, right? And then uh, we wanted to make sure that our, our active fruit of loving God and loving people would be that we become a people that serve the world and doesn't expect the world to serve us. 
And so starting out in our infancy as a church, when people walked in the door, what we started with was this. Listen, listen, listen. This isn't about us. It's not about what we do. It's not about what we get. It's not about what we take. It is not about surviving. It is about serving. It is about giving. It is about getting out there. And so we gathered up as a very, very small little crowd of, of, of a few people, and we fist-pumped and high-fived and said, listen, here's the deal. Uh, before you ever give here, serve here, do anything here, we do not want to do that. We want to get out there and do it there. In fact, don't do it here. Do it somewhere else. And then we gather up, we fist pump, we high five, we go. And that's what we were born out of. We used to say all the time, we will not survive at the cost of serving. We will serve at the cost of surviving. So if we have to choose between surviving or serving, we pick serving. And then we die. And if we happen to survive while we're serving, well then great. And so that's how we launched. And we lived in this space where we were daring and crazy and just said, look, just go, go. We asked nothing of anyone internally because there were a few of us and we were just like, high five, fist pump, go. And it was awesome. We discovered in that early journey, Galatians 5.1, that simply says this, right? It is for freedom that you have been set free. That's it. I set you free so you can be free. So we're like, let's, let's display that. Let's display that. Let's be a free people, not a religious people, not a structured people, not, a, not a, a conformed people, but a free people that go out there and just do free crazy stuff. But then Galatians 5.13 measured our freedom a little bit by saying, now you can do whatever you want with that freedom, but why would you be silly with it? And he said this, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, but serve one another in love. So we were like, yes, there it is. So we serve one another in love. We go out there. We do it. We were organic. We were messy. We were beautiful. We were childlike. We were daring. We were crazy. It was awesome. And that was attractive, apparently, because a lot of people came. <laughs> All of you showed up. You started coming in droves and it was exciting. First couple of years, we were like, go, go, go. And then all of you started showing up and we were like, oh, that's awesome. More people to high five, more people to fist pump, more people to go. Except it created a very, very interesting dilemma. You see, the more of us that started showing up, the more the reality of the internal infrastructure of this place became a detriment to the surprise and delight that was the gospel in this place. Oh, yes, we were all about out there and doing all of that. But the trouble is, when all of you showed up, to be able to get connected in here, into community, and experience the beauty of those early years of community that we had because there were like five of us, and we're like, friends, friends, um, we, we, you couldn't do that. And so what started happening is there was an internal group, those who had been here from the beginning, and there was an external group, those that had showed up, and the one was in and the other one wasn't, and what we kept saying is organic, boom, high five. But the trouble is it created inconsistent community, inconsistent connection, and we started becoming a church that would show up for gatherings, but there was nothing underneath that. And that became very difficult because we're like, oh, what's going on here? Because of the inconsistency of the commitment and the, and the, and the reality internally, we had people slipping through the cracks everywhere. And so suddenly a church that was surprising and delightful and free and wonderful started becoming a bit of a struggle. And as the church got bigger 
and we needed to do bigger things, it wasn't quite as easy to pull out a dollar out of your pocket or take it uh, a 10 minutes out of your day and serve because when you little, right, and you do anything, people are blown away because they're like, you're supposed to be trying to survive and you're like, no, 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 we're serving. We're just giving it all away. Here's another five, $5. Like, wow, you're amazing. But when there's a few hundred of you, then when you do little things, it's kind of like, yes, yeah, so, so does everybody else. It's kind of like a kid who's, who's just learning to walk at age one, which is a little early and you're like, oh, they're a genius. They're a genius. My child is walking at age one. Well, when they're 17, nobody goes, they're walking. They're a genius. Now you're like, no, they're 17. If they're not walking at this point, it's a little scary, right? And so things started shaping, and here's what started happening. As we needed to step into some bigger things to create the room and space and reality to equip saints to do the work of the ministry, we started calling the church into big things, bigger things than ever before. You remember we had um, this little campaign called The Ripple Effect? A few of you are like, oh yeah, I remember that. The rest of you weren't here. Um, so The Ripple Effect was awesome. It was for the expansion of this building because this sanctuary was half the size it is now and we were squeezing in like crazy and starting to run a bunch of gatherings and we're like, we, we need, to, need to create some room. And, and so we, we asked everybody to step in and, and you know what happened? I, you, you guys will remember if you were here. So we had a big commitment Sunday. It was so awesome. We filled out these papers like, I'm in. And we committed these awesome numbers. And when they came in, we read them. We're like, oh, this is, this is everything we will need for this. And a year went by and it was so cool. And we got to the end of the year when we needed to start paying the bills to do all this. And like 18% of the church had fulfilled their commitments. The rest had done nothing. And it wasn't your fault. It wasn't any of our faults. It was, that's what we did, isn't it? It was always, let's, let's do this. And so what started happening is, between the lack of consistency in community, real community, and the lack of consistency in making big commitments but having poor follow-through, and in the reality of doing very little internally, what started happening is we began to become a very different-looking church than what we hoped to be. Demonstrating our passion for God and His passion for people looked like this. Individuals out there calling this home were doing awesome stuff, but as a corporate unit, we would talk a lot about big things but not follow through. And so the gap between what we said and what we did became bigger and bigger. We discovered a couple years ago that we were in the bottom 10 percentile of generosity as churches in the nation. So here we are, we're missional, we're gonna change the world, but we're actually giving at the bottom 10% of all the churches in the nation. Uh, our, 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 our involvement in community, we had like six of you in missional communities, and then like a few hundred of you, and we're like, we, we are that church now that has everyone gather, but no one's actually in community. And so that created a giant dilemma. The childlike wonder of our organic high fives and get out there, don't do anything here, do everything out there, was starting to create a giant mess here and displaying the gospel badly to the world. So we gathered up as a leadership about three years ago and we said, oh, this is a dangerous road we're on. We're going to end up one of those churches that talks but doesn't do, that says big things but does nothing big. We have got to figure out how to switch this, change this, what's going wrong, where are we missing the boat? And in a journey, we realized that one of the things that had occurred is 
that we were born out of an incredible, childlike, crazy freedom, but we lacked the maturity as a body to be able to do the things God was calling us to. The saints were not well equipped. We were not engaging in changing the world the way we talked about doing it. We were saying big things and not following through on them. These needed to change. And so we started shaping a vision. A vision that would reshape the way this church functions in order to engage in the beauty that we were called to engage in as we had now expanded into a larger body. And that vision we decided to call Get Loud. And the reason we called it Get Loud is because our fear was that if we stayed on the track we were, lots of freedom, little required, just go do it, that we were not going to get loud, we were, we were going we to get ordinary at best. And just completely nothing at worst. And so we're like, no, 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 no. We got to get loud. And then we put this little tagline underneath it. You know, because we've been part of Get Loud this last year. Getting loud, we want to actually change the world, right? We put the word actually in the sentence because we said for uh, the time before that, the decade before that, we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world. And we were individually, on multiple fronts, but we weren't as a unit in any significant way. And so we said, no, 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 no. We're going to actually do it. So then when we sat around and we're like, okay, how are we going to actually do this? How are we going to actually do this? We came up with a two-year vision that would be the launching pad of the next decade, two decades, three decades of this church's life in actually changing the world. And in that vision, we came up with three things that would be critical if we were going to actively engage in changing the world, okay? And and here were the three things. We need to equip the saints to do the work of the gospel. We can't become an organization that does the work and you all show up and then you, 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 you get a nice warm fuzzy, you, you leave, and then we do awesome cool stuff and then you get to say, I'm part of it. We can't do that. We got to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. Two, we have got to impact the world. See, this is, this is coming back to that early part of who we've always wanted to be. We have got to be serving. We've got to be serving in crazy ways. We've got to be giving more of ourselves than is wise, more of ourselves than we ought to, because we've got to dare ourselves constantly to say, this is not about what we get, it is about what we give. And so we have got to impact the world. We've got to do it. And then we have to make sure that we continue to leave room to grow the story so that those in our local context, in our city, that want to be impacted by the gospel, invited to be recipients of the gospel, and then challenged to be participants in the gospel, that they would have the ability to join the story. And it's a little difficult when you're parking down the road, right? And so we're like, okay, okay, we've got to come up with this vision because the option of offending everyone and having them all leave and getting small again is not a gospel option. It was a legitimate option on the table. I'm just warning you. There were a couple years ago, we were like, we could offend them all. They would all leave. We'd be back to 20 people. Then we could high five fist bump and change the world again. But we're like, eh, that's not necessarily the way the scripture plays it out. And so we can't do that. So this vision was born and we said, okay, here's the deal. 
we're going to do this. But to do this, as we looked at the reality of that vision, the reality of what it would take to put a system in place that would equip you all to do the work of the ministry, get you connected to community in a big way, engage in the realities of staffing and and leadership training that would get us where we needed to be, that was going to take a tremendous amount of time and resource. And then changing the world, impacting the globe, impacting the world was going to be a a tremendous amount of resources required from all of us. Our our financial resources, our time, our energy, our talents, we would have to learn to give ourselves away. And then to be able to expand our story, just practically creating space, uh, launching new campuses, that was going to take tremendous resource. And so when we did the math, we're like, this is like over two years, it's like a $10 million price tag on a vision like this. And you understand we were in the bottom 10 percentile of giving nationwide. And so that would be like a 75% increase over one year, which by the way is unheard of. It doesn't happen. And so we said to God, what do we, what do we do? And God said, go tell them they're ready. So we did, we came to you and we said a year ago, we're in the middle of a two year vision. We want to get loud. We want to do this. We need you to make commitments. And we did what we did with the ripple effect. We had the little cards, you remember, a year ago? And the thing, and we were like, we, we've seen the ripple effect. I had a hard talk with the church that was the church then about a year into the ripple effect where I'm like, uh, for 18% of you, thank you. The, the rest, um, what happened, right? So we close out 2016 this year, halfway through the Get Loud vision. And we have seen this year, so, so the commitment was 9 million, by the way, on your part. <gasps> 9 million over two years. So we have seen $4.8 million come in this last year. That's actual, it's real, it happened. $4.8 million from all of you, from us, together. Now you can do the math, right? $4.8 million puts us right where we need to be to reach the commitment, which means you all are holding true to what you said. This is a giant leap for our church, that we would make commitments, that we would stick to them. Now, some of you just went, we're ahead. We're ahead. 4.8 times 2, that's more than 9. And you just relaxed. You're like, oh, I can go buy that cup of coffee I've been wanting to buy and not engage this year. Don't think like that because that is not how it rolls, right? Because we have been a church that our dream has always been to surprise and delight in everything we do by exceeding expectation. And there is nothing more exciting than putting something as a target on a map. And then when you're done, you go, we exceeded the target. That is the beauty of surprise and delight. And so as we are right on track now, as we continue into our second half of this journey. What a joy it is that I'm not standing here going, come on, we got to do it. You guys are a little bit behind, but you can do it. I'm like, no, no, no. We are, we are right on track as we need to be. Well done, church. What a display, what a demonstration of our love for God and displaying to the world his love for people. Because you know what happened? When that kind of generosity is affected by a group of people that have matured and grown to be able to say, we're in, we're going to stick to our commitments and we're going to do what we say. You know what happens? Here's what happens. Let me, let me show you the results of what has occurred this year in the ongoing vision of Get Loud. So we said we want to equip the saints, right? We said we want to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. To do that, we have to expand ministry. We have to develop leadership. So here's what's happened. We have expanded our staff in the areas of work 
worship, mosaic, kids, missional communities, discipleship, and pastoral care. All of those departments in this church have been expanded in staffing because of the generosity that you guys and all of us have engaged in. We have equipped elders, deacons, interns, residents. We have done a tremendous amount of equipping, training dozens of interns and residents and elders and deacons in each of those categories. So we have a tremendous amount of men and women in leadership in this church that are engaged in equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that has happened this year. Uh, We have been preparing for growth, which was one of the key initiatives in preparing the saints. Because if we don't prepare for the growth that's going to come as we expand into the growing story, we cannot equip the saints well. So we have been in every single department working diligently to put the infrastructures in place so that when we move into the new space, if we see numeric growth, instead of it affecting us the way it did in the past, where we're like, high five, no one's connected, no one's being equipped, this will be an immediate and awesome entry into participating in the gospel. And that has been incredibly exciting. We have also uh, been impacting the world. So this year, let's just talk about what's happened this year uh, in the vision expanding. In the global missions, we have spent this year $425,000 on global church planting and mercy and justice ministries. That's a half a million dollars that we've pushed out. I can't begin to tell you in the years past how small the numbers were now that this number's on the table, right? We were super excited a few years ago when we could push $12,000 into something. And now we're like, we just put a half a million dollars into changing the global environment this year because of your generosity, because of our generosity. That's incredible. We have sent nine teams to eight countries this year to engage with our global partners, to work with them diligently in serving the ministries that they are impacting. On a local impact level, we as a church spent over 2,000 hours during Mission Serve on local projects here in our city. Uh, Mosaic families continue to adopt children from around the world. Uh, This year alone, we have seen 20 more children fostered by foster homes in this church. We have now become a church that is the leading church in our county and our city for foster care, which means we have now become the voice in the foster care system to help propel things forward in terms of bringing some joy and health to that system and recruiting great godly families for that system. It's an incredible thing we get to be a part of. Then, we said to you guys that as part of this uh, uh, impacting the world, half the world is here with us in Orlando from the Latin American context, and there's very little for them. So we launched our Latino gathering. We have hired a pastor, Javier, for that Latino gathering, again, because of the Get Loud, and that Latino gathering happening on Thursday nights is growing, and they are incredibly excited about the new space because that new space sits Right in Latin America Winter Garden, right? I mean, it's right there. And so we're going to be able to see a tremendous impact uh, on the world of Spanish-speaking people in our city. 
And then special needs. We have expanded our special needs ministry now so that on a weekly basis, we serve over 80 children every week that specifically deal with special needs and their families. Now, you may go, huh, that's odd. Which room is that happening in? The beauty of the special needs uh, care here is that instead of finding a separate space because of the special needs, we have figured out how to integrate uh, any child that has any special needs into our everyday normal stuff that happens in our kids' ministry so that none of the children that have these amazing special abilities and challenges feel like they are separated out. So all of our special needs kids have a buddy that is with them and they get to experience the joy of being part of everything that everyone else is part of because of that system. That has happened and expanded because of the incredible generosity that we together have affected. Beyond uh, impacting the world, growing our story to effectively expand the story so that more and more resources and people are available to the kingdom of God, for the mission of God, to see the gospel of God bring freedom to this planet. So we have the new building. We closed on the new building. That happened again because of your generosity. If 15% of you had been actively generous this year after making big commitments, let me just say this practically and in reality, we would not have closed on the building. You understand? If the same thing had happened that happened a couple years ago, in our freedom, we were childlike and didn't hold to commitment, we would not have a space to be moving into. But because of your generosity, while expanding ministry, while expanding global impact, while expanding local impact, while expanding all those things, we were also able to close on a building, which is incredible. Demolition has begun, renovation will begin soon, and we should be in in 2017 in the new space. And... As we said to you guys, we don't want to make this about a building landing there, growing a giant little building with a giant church. We want to expand our influence into all of our city. So we want to launch new campuses as a missional endeavor to reach out to people that shouldn't be driving 45 minutes to come to Mosaic. So we have already begun uh, in-depth research as to where our first campus will land after we get into the new building so we can launch a new campus and send a bunch of you guys out instead of calling you in because this is what we want to do. So it has been an incredible year for us as a church. It really has. Not only in terms of impact and reality, uh, but here's what's happened. One, you ready for this? You all have grown up. You all have grown up. I'm telling you. I'm not talking about you individually. Don't be offended. You're like, I was a grown up when I came here. I know, I know. I'm talking about us as a body. We have grown up. We have matured. We have stepped into what it takes to be able to do the things we say. And because of that, because of that, the gap between what we say and what we do has been eliminated. It really has. Do you know that we are now in the top percentile of generous churches in the nation? Do you know that? We are now in the top percentile of churches with people connected to community with over a thousand people in missional communities. Six to a thousand. That's so fun, right? We are now in the top percentiles of the movement. We are shaping things in our city and around the world as we are engaged as a church as a whole because we have matured. So that's really exciting. As we enter 2017, that's really exciting because we come into 2017 out of the beginnings of the insanity of childlike freedom and organic wonder and just high fives and fist pumps and get out there and serve the world and don't survive 
to the maturity and beauty of commitment and involvement and community and generosity that has impact as an organization and an organism as a whole around the globe and locally here in our community. We have come from childhood into adulthood. And now we move into a new space that poises us as a church to get a voice in our city like we've never had to be able to bring the beauty of the gospel to our city in new and extraordinary ways. And that ought to excite you. But there is also intrinsic danger in what comes next. In 2017, we move into a beautiful new space. It's a larger context. We will suddenly gain a larger voice. We will become a church that feels larger. Rather than uh, 102 small gatherings, we'll have like 50 larger <laughs> gatherings now. And so, so that's going to begin to shape. And in that, here's what the temptation is. Here's, here's what the danger is. See, the danger in where we came out of in that freedom is that freedom without maturity is beautiful, it's whimsical, it's wondrous, it's surprising and delightful until you actually need stuff done, right? Like any kid, you're like, oh, it's so beautiful to be a child. They don't feel free, but are they not free? Are they not free? I mean, come on, the problems, really. You got to work, right? You got college educations coming. And so you become an adult and you're like, wow, the whimsical wonder of childhood. So you become an adult and you mature and you're like, yes, let's do this. But here's the danger. You and I in our adulthood can get caught up in being adults and forget that the beauty and wonder and daring nature of the childlike spirit is as important in adulthood as it is in childhood. It's just measured by and met by a maturity that makes it powerful like it's never been. See, we face the danger of walking into a new building and becoming a finely oiled machine rather than a well-tended garden. Not messy, not organic, not daring, not crazy, but that we structure everything beautifully. Oh yes, when you walk in, if you serve here and you give here and you're involved here, then this is what you get to be part of. We'll take care of it. That's our danger. That you come in and everything runs just like it's supposed to and nothing is flawed and it's beautiful to watch. And if we do that, we will lose our childhood, our daring, our crazy, who we have always been and who we continue to want to be. And you will be tempted to pour all your generosity and service and time internally so that we, the whole, can go do the thing instead of you all being the church doing it out there. And we will lose our childhood, which we have not yet lost, but we're, we're, we're gonna be tempted. You see, the trouble is, when the efficiency and the effectiveness and the structure of what we have discovered in our maturing is realized, it bears amazing fruit, doesn't it? I mean, hasn't it borne amazing fruit? Hasn't that been awesome? And that's what tempts us into saying, that's the better way. And it is a necessary way, but it is not the better way. The best way is when we take our maturity, our commitment, our efficiency, our, our effectiveness, and we combine it with our daring and our crazy and our willingness just to, just to abandon for the sake of serving, to step out instead of stepping in, to do things that surprise and delight and ought not to happen, to push further than we should. That's when the beauty of our story truly emerges in its power. In fact, we designed this right into the new structure. So as you guys know, we're about to move into a concrete block, right? in a concrete parking lot 
uh, on a concrete street. There's no zebras running around our building anymore, right? And so you guys drive in here, I hear it all the time. Oh my God, it's, it's green and there are trees and butterflies and zebras. And now we're going to go to the concrete jungle. I'm like, yep, that's exactly what we're going to do. You know why? Because we need the efficiency and structure and beauty of a concrete block. Because it's cheap and it's big, right? <laughs> and we don't want to spend unnecessary money on stupid stuff to make ourselves feel good. We want it cheap and big so we can get in, do what we need to do. It's just a building. We're going to use it uh, to do the things God's called us to do to get out, right? So that's awesome. But, but in its efficiency and its effectiveness and its structure, which we need desperately, the maturity of this space, we have asked the designers to make the whole space feel like a garden is invading the building. No, we, we have. That's the design. That's why when you see the pictures, uh, you see the pictures, it's like trees and plants coming through the walls, literally cracks in the walls with stuff coming through it. And like everywhere you look in the concrete structure, what you see is the plant coming for you, right? Oh, that sounded a little more horror movie than I intended. So <laughs> it's going to be really nice. Uh, and so, so the, the, the intent of that was because we want you and I to walk into that new space uh, week after week and be reminded that though our maturity and our structure and our efficiency and our effectiveness is much needed and has birthed tremendous fruit and will continue to birth tremendous fruit if we lose the constant reminder that we should be daring in our generosity outside the walls of this place and daring in our giving of ourselves outside the walls of this place that you should dare to be as involved out there as you are in here. That Mosaic Church is not an organization, but it is a people that are everywhere doing amazing, surprising, and delightful things with their resources and their time so that our city goes, who are these people? That's what's going to Keep us, us. That's who we were born to be and that's who we need to stay. So in 2017, we're going to bring two worlds together. We're going to continue to mature as a church as we have been doing. And we're going to begin, you're going to hear it in all of our talking, we're going to begin to dare you again to be, to be internally engaged but externally focused. And to be able to say, man, we are going to change the world together. Together as a whole, with uh, half a million dollars in global missions and incredible 2,000 hours in our city and individually as a church in the workplaces and social networks and ministry needs that you know of that you should be spending your time and money on outside of this church so that you are giving and spending out there as the church. This is what we want to become. In Romans chapter 12, it's an incredible passage of scripture probably one of, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it is a chapter that captures in a, single, in a single move, I think the progression that occurs when a people group encounter the beauty of the redemptive work of Jesus. So Romans chapter one through 11 is the unpacking of the gospel, essentially. The whole story of God and the, the mercy of God and the grace of God that has impacted us to save our souls, to redeem our future and, and to restore our purpose, right? And then at chapter 12, which we'll get to in 2024, because we're in the book of Romans now. Um, in chapter 12, uh, Paul writes, considering all of this, the gospel that we've just unpacked, here's, here's what should happen 
when you actually consider the redemptive work of Jesus. Here's what should occur in you as an individual and in us as a people, okay? And so he starts this way. Romans chapter 12, verse one. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I want you to give yourself as living sacrifices, right? That's where he starts. So, So here it is. Since you know what God's done for you now, it's no longer your story, is it? It's no longer your story because you know your story doesn't go anywhere that's worth much other than temporal, but his story for you goes everywhere. So give your story to him and do his story instead of yours because you were made as God's workmanship for good works he's prepared in advance for you to do. And then right after it says that, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what the will of God is, right? Then the very next section of Romans chapter 12 is how we do life together. Those of us that have encountered the gospel and those of us that are together in it now. He says, no, no, listen, gather up with all the others that have encountered the gospel. Here's why. And I love this. He says, you might not have known this, but it's not just about your story. It's about the collective story of the body of Christ. And so he says, we are a body. Did you know that? We actually belong to Jesus. He is the head. We are the body. And he effectively works through us. And listen to this now. He's made you and I to be part of that body, which means we're not all the same. Wow. We're not all the same. We're not supposed to agree all the time. (gasps) Really? Yep. We're not all the same. We, we think differently, we act differently, we behave differently, we're wired differently. You know why? Because if the finger was the same as the foot, it'd be super awkward to have five feet on my hands. But then if my hand was also a foot, that would be even more awkward. And then if my arm was a foot too, and then if my body was a foot, and my head was a foot, and my eye was a foot, this would get really awkward, right? So it's not how it works. There's an eye and a, and a finger. And some of you here... You're the little bone right in between the two other bones right inside the finger, practically invisible to the outside. And some of you, you're like, you're like the nose. Everybody sees you all the time, right? Some of us are visible. Some of us are behind the scenes. Some of us are, are, are livers. Some of us are arms. We're just different. And, and here's what the Bible says. You are not supposed to become whatever you want. What? You are not supposed to become whatever you want. You are not able to be whatever you want. But they told me. I know, they lied. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know that you can't be whatever you want, and you're not wired to be whatever you want. That's the great pursuit we've all had. You are an American. You can be whatever you want. You can become whatever you want. You can get whatever you want. That That is absolutely not true. But you can become exactly what you were made to be. And your journey, as is mine, is to discover who you were made to be by the creator and sustainer of the universe, to engage with the other people that know Jesus, and to be you, and they be them, and then we together become Christ to the world. That's how it's supposed to work. And so Romans chapter 12 first begins by saying, you're a body, you all are gifted differently, wired differently, get together, figure out who's who, stop complaining about what you are. I don't want to be a bone. I want to be an eye. (laughs) Well, it doesn't really work real well when the bone tries to be the eye. But if you stop being the bone, then we all suffer. So be content in who you were made to be. Do not be overly proud or overly, overly hurt or overly humble. Just be who you are, who God made you to be and enjoy. And then look at this. Look at this. This is so cool. Romans chapter 12 says this then, verse 9. After you've given yourself to Jesus, 
It's, your, it's his story, not yours. You've given yourself to the body. We do this together. We do this together. That's our maturing process. Then this is what we look like. Verse nine, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honoring. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be consistent in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It's the most beautiful passage of who we should be, could be, are, to be, when we are one together as a body, yet functioning individually as world changers in our communities. This is what marks us. In 2017, we are gonna learn what it looks like to bring the freedom out of which we were born, the crazy, daring, fist pump, high five, forget this place, get out there and do it. And the maturity that we have learned Come together, serve together, give together, work together so that as one, we can affect big things. And in our maturity, uh, the infrastructure, the efficiencies, the effective nature of things, and our freedom, the daring, the beautiful, the messy, we are going to become something we've never been. An adult with childlike tendencies to do beautiful, efficient, effective things and every now and then get totally crazy and do crazy things, surprising and delighting the world with the wonder of the freedom of the gospel in our maturity. Peter writes this beautiful verse, and I want to leave you with this. In, in his first letter, 1 Peter, he writes these words. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16. Listen to this. 2017, here we come. Watch this. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. End. I love that. Live free, folks. We are supposed to be like children, daring more than we ought, not thinking wisely all the time in terms of what God calls us into, but saying, if I have it, and you have opportunity, God, show me how to give more, dare more, go more, not only in the church, but outside the church. And yet, simultaneously, let us grow together in community, in generosity, in effectiveness, so that whether it is inside or outside this church, that this people, called Mosaic, demonstrates our passion for God and his passion for people. This is 2017. Let's pray. God, thank you that we're halfway through an incredible two-year vision 
and yet even in the middle of it, are invited to remind ourselves of the dangers that lay in it, in our maturing, that we are in danger of becoming adults that forget ourselves, in our effort to become efficient and effective, a finely oiled machine, we forget how to be daring and crazy and make decisions that are not effective or efficient seemingly, but are generous and crazy, serving at the cost of surviving. May we as a people group be internally and externally engaged so that wherever we find ourselves, the world would say, who are these people? Who are these people? And that we might say, we are a people who follow Jesus. And it is Jesus in us who makes us who we are. It is for his glory, for his kingdom, and because of his mercy and grace that we are who we are. God, make it so for us so that this year would become the great collision between what we were born out of in freedom and what we have matured into in efficiency and that the two would become a powerful force for the expansion of your kingdom and the glory of your name, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.